Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This series of episodes will focus on Teenagers Do Recover. The aim is to provide insight and context to material within Narcotics Anonymous, uh, specifically aimed to reach those who have got clean and are staying clean as teenagers. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous, however, there will be some similarities in how these studies will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of material within Narcotics Anonymous towards reaching those who are seeking a resource like this. If one person, just one person, benefits from our efforts, including us, our participation, our effort, it's well worth it. We'll have the introductions and then we'll jump into into these studies. Hope that you enjoy this. All right, listeners. Well, really excited. This is episode one. We have a group together. We're going to study by young addicts for young addicts. We're going to begin on page three. So if we open up the IP, this is IP number 13. We open it up on page three at the top. We're going to start there. But first, I'm going to give our introductions. Andrew, what's happening? What is up? Uh, Andrew G., um, an addict from North Atlanta, Georgia. My clean date is May 16th, 2008. My home group is No Matter What, and I got clean at uh, 19 years old. 19. Thanks, bro. What's up, Jennifer? Hi, everyone. My name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. I live in Sacramento, California. My clean date is November 27th, 1992. My home group is A Journey Within, and I got clean when I was 17. 17. Thanks, Jennifer. What's up, Whitney? Hey guys, I'm Whitney. I'm an addict. Um, my clean date is August 15th, 2007. I currently live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I got clean when I was 18. Thanks, Whitney. What's up, Shirley? What is up? My name is Shirley. I'm an addict from Mandeville, Louisiana. My home group is Get Real North Shore. My clean date is November 21st, 2019. I got clean when I was 17. Thanks, Shirley. Helene, what's happening? Hey, I'm Helene, and I live in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, the beach area of NA, and my um, clean date is February 17th, 1995, and I got clean when I was 17. And my home group's Fresh Start. Thanks, Helene. Catherine, what up? Mid-bite. Hi, my name is Catherine. I'm an addict. Um, I'm from Long Island, New York. My clean date is 6706, which is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I got at 16, and my home group is Recovery by Sunrise. All right, so tomorrow we'll blast you. Birthday cakes. Birthday cakes all day long. What's up, Todd? Hey, my name is Todd. I am from New Orleans, Louisiana. My clean date is November 2nd, 1983. I am, um, home group is Open Mind for about 38 years now. And uh, I got clean five days after I turned 19. All right, thanks, brother. Welcome. All right, folks, and I'm an addict. Name's Douglas. Got clean March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA. I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. And I was 16. When I go clean. All right, folks, so here we go. So this is going to be our first episode. We're going to study by young addicts for young addicts. It's IP number 13. Let's turn to page three. I'll read the italics. It says this literature was developed by young members of Narcotics Anonymous who have stayed clean and found a new way of life. Young addicts around the world speaking many different languages are getting and staying clean in NA. We're writing this to share our experience in living the NA message that any addict, no matter how young, can stop using drugs, lose the desire to use, and find a new way to live. I want to make a, a note here. If we take a look on the left side of this IP, it says there's a copyright of 83 and then of 08. I thought that was really important. Before we got on, Jennifer, Whitney, and I, we were talking. Folks, I'm telling you, I don't remember seeing this, man. I don't remember seeing it. Do we have any context in this? Anyone remember? I don't know if it was available in 83 or if that was kind of shelved and then was available in in in, in 08. But uh Man, I, I just don't. I mean, circa 2000, I didn't see it circulating. I had no idea this pamphlet was around. Anybody I want to share, add some contact? Do we, 
context to this. Todd, what's happening? Yeah, actually, I remember this being around and um, I only remember because it was one of the few that had different colors. Like, you know, every every other page was one color and this had the greener color on the front of it. And I do remember it. I did not read it. I was not a very good big reader. <laughs> but but I do remember being around and uh, it has been around a long time. Okay, thanks, Todd. Any other comments on the italics? Anybody remember getting clean? I do remember seeing it um, in like 2007. Um, and I remember being like, I don't want to pick that up <laughs> because I didn't want to be singled out, even though everyone already knew I was young, you know? Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's jump into it. Hey, Whitney, would you be willing to be our first reader? So we're going to read first two or the, the two paragraphs on page three, starting with as young members, and we're going to finish up with you'll find us. Sure. As young members, most of us didn't come to Narcotics Anonymous looking for a new way of life. We were just tired of the lives we had. We spent a lot of our time feeling angry, lonely, hurt, or scared. Getting high was the only thing that seemed to help, but drugs quickly began to make life even harder. We were tired of the pain and confusion, but we didn't want to consider the idea that drugs were making our problems worse. Regardless of whether or not we thought we were addicts, the idea of giving up drugs was hard to imagine. If we did consider stopping, the idea usually didn't last long. If this sounds familiar, you might be like us. This pamphlet is our chance to share what we've learned. We weren't too young to be addicts, and we weren't too young to get clean. We stopped using and are discovering a new way of life. You may not see young members in the meetings you go to, but if you stay clean and keep coming back, you'll find us. All right, thanks for reading, Whitney. You know what stuck out first? Um, the the first thing was here about not looking for a new way of life, but uh, but wanting to to kind of stop, you know, the 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 path of life that I was on. That's where I was, man. That, that's that's a hundred percent where I was. I didn't think like a new way. Really, I was one of those. I was one of those. Like I was just always down and depressed, anyways. And there wasn't nothing, you know, I wasn't like skipping through like, oh, fuck, life is kind of cool, man. I can't wait to go on my yacht, you know, on the weekend and shit. I have fuck off, you know. And so, so the, but then it was like, it was like the, the role, I guess, role models or examples that I saw. It was never, it was never about getting clean and, and living a life of freedom. So that didn't cross the radar. You know, it was like, it was, it was getting arrested and then forced break, but always going back to getting high. It was different stuff, you know, detoxes after overdoses and shit like that. But 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 getting high was always part of like the comeback to. And so I could identify with that right off the rip, man. It was like, man, fuck pursuing a new way of life. I don't know, man. I don't know if that's, you know, if that was the hook there. But it was like, man, what I'm doing currently is really shitty. You know, so I could identify with that. Andrew, what's happening, bro? Yeah, um, it's funny when I was uh reading through this earlier today I was trying to put myself in the mind frame of like what it was like when I first got clean young because it's kind of hard to remember that now like as a a little bit older as a grown-up with some time <laughs> um but I do know that like I don't recall seeing this pamphlet but I remember the first thing that jumped out to me in the basic text was the stories in the back and it was you know we spent a lot of our time feeling angry lonely hurt or scared and that was the shit that was like okay i'm in you know like i can key into that i can't when i look around and i don't see young people i see people who are different and who had way you know lower bottoms than i did and they're older and they talked about divorce and stuff like that i just couldn't identify you know but like talk about that feeling of fear that you carry with you everywhere like i know that you know i know that very well um and this idea too that like the drugs may not be the problem. Like I felt like every time I, I had some heat on me, it was like, you got to stop using drugs. The drugs are the problem. And I couldn't connect with that. Right. Because drugs were not like drugs were treating my problem, you know, and like come to find out that like, I'm, I'm a sick person and that's how I'm trying to treat this disease after I got clean. Um, you know, but it's also like, I guess in that same, the same manner what I was saying earlier, like, I don't know that I could have heard that you know, maybe when I first came in, but like the more will be revealed message of like, I could hear it when I was ready to hear it. 
you know, um, and I just love this. You may not see young members in the meetings you go to, but if you stay clean and keep coming back, you'll find us. And like, that's some real shit, you know, that like, if you keep coming back here, you will find your tribe. Like you will find the place that you get in if you just keep showing up. Thanks. Look, I, <clears throat> man, I love that. I, I, and, and thank you for, thank you for those comments. And especially tell, telling the folks, if, if the HP has willed this, to 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 we're rocking and rolling through your ears right now fucking hold on man hold on don't get high long enough to 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 sit next to somebody who has your story and link up with them and 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 and, and watch what na is going to unfold and that's what happened in my life too man yeah that's cool the first the the first dude that 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 actually shook his head up and down as i was trying to carry the message to him i was clean like eight months and before that people were just looking at me like man what the fuck are you talking about you know, like you're sixty. You're, t I, I just did twelve years in 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 prison, and you're telling me about going to a meeting every day. Get the fuck out of my face. You know that that type of thing. But when I when I told this dude, man, about about the freedom NA has to offer, and he started shaking his head up and down, bro was like, oh, and he was young. He was a younger dude. I think he was like twenty one or twenty two. Man, it was like it was like I became a I became a, a link in the chain. You know what I'm saying? And I and I and I still feel like I'm a link in the chain now. It's powerful, man. Thanks, bro. What's up, Jennifer? Thanks. Um, you know, when you were talking about like so you stay long enough and you'll hear your story, I had probably 22 years clean and I went to a convention with a friend of mine in Southern California and the Friday night speaker finally told my story, right? And I was like in awe. And I wasn't even a teenager anymore. You know, I mean, I was, I don't know how old I was. I was in my 30s. And, uh, and I thought, oh my God, you know what I mean? Like, it was so cool because I had heard everybody say that for years. Like you stick around long enough, you'll hear your story. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, uh, so that was really cool. And I have her speaker CD and every once in a while when I'm feeling like nostalgic or feel like, you know what I mean? Like I'll go listen, you know, to her, but, um, yes. And I have it on a CD cause I'm that old now. So, um, the, the feelings that, that Andrew was talking about the, you know, the angry, lonely, hurt or scared, right? Like, I don't know if I knew that I was hurt. I knew I was probably a little frightened. I knew I was angry as fuck when I got here. Uh, you know, the life, you know, life had, you know, done me in and, it, you know, it was every, my mom's fault. And it was everybody's fault, right? While I was doing what I was doing, but there was never, it, it says, regardless of whether or not we were thought we were an addict, addict, there was zero doubt in my mind that I had a problem. Like it, it became very clear, very quickly for me. And, and, um, but that idea of giving up drugs was too painful for me. Um, and, and uh, until, you know, I was able to like stop using long enough to realize that actually it was more painful being loaded than it was being clean. But that, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't ever remember a time from like when I started until I got clean where that I ever considered stopping. It was just like, running it was like a runaway train down the track getting ready to crash you know and fall down into the you know ocean somewhere off a cliff that's kind of how my using went but but man really the idea of of, of giving up and I remember at the very end um sitting in juvenile hall you know detoxing and thinking to myself there's no fucking way I'm gonna live like this right like in the second I got out I was high you know there was no I couldn't, I couldn't even live in my own head. It was so painful, you know? And, um, and yeah, it, you know, I got really, really lucky where I found somebody, you know, through sticking around for a hot second that was the same age as I was when she got clean. And she was back in 21 when I got clean. And it really helped me relate to some of the things that she did, but man, it was, you know, before that it was really hard to find anybody that hadn't already done all those things, CPS, divorce, you know, all those things that we talk about. But I just couldn't relate to that, but I could relate to being angry for sure. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And Jen, thanks for those comments. I identify so much with that too. My sitting in detox and rehab and stuff and thinking, no, fuck this. As soon as my feet hit somewhere that I could call, I'm getting high. And that's what we was actually remember in rehab, like trying to hyperventilate, you know, you would have your friend help you kind of hyperventilate. We did that shit from sun up to sundown to fucking rehab and then couldn't wait till medication swap time you know what i mean fucking so so glad we're free and jen you bring up a good point do we still give cds you remember that was hot shit man when you would get a couple cool cds gifted to you or something like that that was 
that was nice. For you folks listening who are just getting clean, now's when you can pause, look up, hey, what do they mean, gift and speaker CDs? All right, and you can take a little take a little gander at that. Helene, what's happening? Hey, um, I don't remember, like we were saying, I don't remember this pamphlet uh, when I got here in 95. And um, I went to treatment first and I did not think I was an addict like at all. Like I just kept telling everyone I was only there to learn how to deal with my depression. And um, the hospital I went to, it wasn't even treatment. I couldn't go with the other um, people with substance abuse problems because I was so young. So I was on the adolescent unit for people with behavioral issues. So I was like the most well-adjusted person on the unit and I was in my bottom, you know? And um, I remember, you know, they would take us to the other fellowship and we'd get like cut off from the coffee because I would, you know, we'd all be trying to get jacked up on that. But I um, just, and they never, no one took me to NA while I was in the hospital. And uh, I couldn't relate to the other fellowship because of the substances, you know, so I thought I just had to quit that one substance and then I could, you know, be okay and still get high and everything. And it wasn't until I got to my first meeting. Um, but I, once I got to the first meeting, my first goal was just to graduate high school. And I thought once I graduated, I could use successfully, but by doing the 90 and 90 and listening to the stories and the feelings, it just it started to be more and more. And I always thought like, um, I didn't get arrested or in trouble every time I was high, but every time I got in trouble, I was high. You know what I mean? Like that. Um, yeah. And my family thought I just had bad luck, but it was so much more than that. So just, uh, listening and you're new you know just try to stay and identify with the feelings yeah we don't know what the it's like to lose a house or a marriage but we can identify with the feelings behind sitting there trying not to use one more and not being successful in that fight thanks for those comments Celine. todd what's happening there you go working on that unmute button so you know um my biggest challenge, I think, earliest when I sat in the meetings was seeing everybody in the meetings with gray hair and old, like everybody said, you know, they, they lost everything. They had had marriages and businesses and they'd been multi-lifers who got in a second chance or third chance or fifth chance. And when they said, you never, you know, somebody would say something to me the effect of, well, you know, you can never use again. I was like, well, that's a long time because I'm really young. Okay, you're you're 87. Okay, they probably were 30. Yeah, you know, I, I was like, long forever isn't very long for you. And I was broken up with that. I mean, that that put a chill through me. That to this day, I can still bring that feeling up. And um, I was blessed to have people around me who said, you know, really, it's not about forever. It's just about right now. Just a couple of right nows in a row. And can you do a few right nows? But you see, the thing is, is using wasn't just my escape, which it was. It wasn't just myself. It was my entire life. So I had nothing. Like, I guess one thing if I had been through college and done all these things and and I had had a life that I was just being screwed up by drugs, that was my life. I, I had nothing else. I didn't know anything else. It's all that. I lived to use and used to live in a different way than the old folks who they, I used to jokingly call them needles anonymous because they were like, oh, if you didn't do heroin, you didn't do drugs. They're like, whatever, man. You know, I don't care what you invented back in the dark ages, but today I just want to use and I just want to, I just, I can't live like this anymore and I just want to die and I just need another place and no one else welcomes me back. So it was only because of that. And there were some young people here and there coming and going, but the idea of seeing older people telling me how it's like somebody smoking a cigarette telling you not to smoke. Right. You know, you, you're sitting there with people who, who've already done it all telling me, well, it's okay. You can't really do it anymore. And I, I had, I had a real hard time with that early on. And so I hung on all my other character defects to hang around like chasing girls, looking for food, bumming, you know, going drink, tanking up on coffee when I was in treatment because that was only a high. Yeah. I, I thought I was the only person who did the hyperventilation stuff. That's weird. 
you know, I didn't know everybody did that. And and I had a lot of headaches from that. I can still remember the headaches. Thank God I don't do that. But anyway, yeah. So long time when you're young, <laughs> the future, you know. So, Thanks for those comments, Todd. What's up, Catherine? Uh, thank you, everyone, for um, the comments. Um, obviously, a lot of relating. So I remember one of the first suggestions I actually heard and actually took um, is at the beginning of the meetings when, you know, they said relate to the, the feelings and not the stories. I held on to that like, man, um, my knuckles were white I held on to that so much because I really could not, um, I couldn't relate to the stories. Like, you know, everyone was talking about it here. I it didn't have uh, enough life experience to like burn my house down and get divorced and all that. But it felt like I had done that. Um, it felt like I destroyed my family. It felt like there was no coming back from that. It felt like my life was over. And like, I think on a good day, that's how teenagers think, you know, without a drug problem, that that dramatic character is like already there. And then, you know, sprinkle some addictive nature on top. And then we have a real party, right? Um, and I just I remember the paradox of um, it talks about in the first paragraph, the drugs helped. And then there was this clear point where they weren't helping anymore. But I still didn't want to admit it. I still didn't want to um, believe people when they said like, maybe you're smoking too much or maybe, <laughs> maybe you're sniffing too much. Um, that's probably not how they put it, but um, <laughs> that's what I'm hearing now. Um, and I, I related to what Helene shared. Um, you know, I remember um, I was shoplifting as well. Um, and I remember the first time I shoplifted high, I got arrested or detained because I was a, a youngin, right? And um, and I just remember thinking like, huh, this never happened when I wasn't high. I never got caught. And I, I like blamed the weed. Not that I smoked the weed, right? Like not that I was high. I was just like, that wasn't good, but like that's how my thinking worked, right? Um, and then the idea of like admitting you're an addict or not admitting you're an addict, um, I don't know. Like I I think I, I could say the word I'm an addict, um, but not fully admit what that meant, nor even like attempt to understand the depths of that word. Um, and I also remember like considering stopping because I would have these talks about like, maybe I am an addict. And it usually happened when like we were getting high, which also probably helped it not land. Right. Um, you know, that like really brilliant conversation that you have during like a scythe. Right. Um, and, um, and then by the third time, like the phone rang either from like a drug dealer or a friend, right. Like, I was like, oh, God wants me to get high, <laughs> right? Like just the the justifications were always, at looking back, they were so manipulative and ridiculous, but made sense at that point. Um, and the last comment I want to share, um, I just heard this a few, I mean, it was probably more than a few years ago now. I have no sense of time. Um, but somebody had, I had shared, you know, my story and how I got clean young and um, all the different lovely comments that people ignorantly make. And then um, this guy came up to me and was like, I thought he was going to make another one of those comments. And instead he said, you know, I think it's really funny. People told you you were too young to get clean because you're not too young to die. Um, and now I use that line every time I run into somebody and they give me the whole like, no, but you don't understand. I'm young. Like, how do I even know I have a problem? You know, and I'm like, you're not too young to die. And saying that nowadays after like this, like opioid epidemic, for those who can't see me, I'm air quoting, right? Um, like everybody knows somebody who's died or knows somebody who knows somebody who's died, right? Um, so it just, it lands different. Um, and this weekend I ran into a 17 year old actually who has two years clean, but hasn't been making meetings. And um, I shared my story and she heard my clean time and 
like that is that's the fucking hit for me right like we actually went to the same adolescent facility she's like what do you mean you're still clean what do you mean you never relapsed right like that hit for me is like I'm gonna be riding that wave of happiness for like at least a month <laughs> so um that's it thanks let me share yeah thanks for for those comments Catherine you remember getting clean man thinking like there's no way in hell that I'm going to be of service to anybody. Like, there's no way, man, my story, you know, or whatever it is, I can, I can just be used, you know, to, to, to be that to, to somebody. And you, and you were, you know, just now continue to be right. And like, that's our stories and stuff, man. Fucking, I love that. Love that. There was no way for me to understand that getting clean. There was no way, like, we have to stay clean the day to time and experience that to really, to really grab onto that. It's good shit. All right, folks, we're going to turn on page four. Lindsay, would you be willing to read the two paragraphs on page four and then make comments when you're finished? Yeah, sure. Um, it starts with when we came to Narcotics Anonymous. Yeah, okay. When we came to Narcotics Anonymous, we saw how members treated each other. We saw something honest and real. We listened to other addicts share about not having to use drugs anymore. We listened as other addicts talked about walking through fear, about living the NA program, and about being free to have a different kind of life. Other people in our lives seem to be trying to control us, but NA members simply offered their experience, strength, and hope. They told us we never had to use again, even if we felt like it. We began to feel like we belonged. Because we didn't always see other young members in the meetings we went to, we wondered if maybe we were too young to be addicts or too young to get clean. With support from other members, we stayed clean anyway, and we made connections with people of all ages in Narcotics Anonymous. We may not have used drugs as long, but we've learned that addiction runs much deeper than our drug use. When we first came to NA, it was easier to relate to people with similar backgrounds or people who use the same drugs as us. After getting to know other addicts, we realized that we experienced similar thoughts and feelings, no matter how old or young or where we came from. Um, that was a lot, that's a lot of my experience too. And, and it's been said, you know, the whole thing about feelings like listen to the feelings and that's what matters and that's what you can identify with. Um, I want to say it was maybe like my third meeting. I did see somebody my age come in um, and somebody I actually went to high school with and he, I was walking up and he was walking and I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> um, and he's like, probably the same thing you're doing here. Um, and we, we stayed friends for a really long time. Um, he's out, he's out again, but, um, he was really instrumental in early on in my recovery. Um, his dad was in that other fellowship. And so he knew something about principles and like things you're supposed to do. Um, and I, I just also want to say too, that like, I didn't go to treatment. Um, I did, I wasn't put in a facility. My parents couldn't afford it. And so I went to high school, uh, just not maybe uh, the best place to get clean. Um, it was really hard. And I came home every day and cried and just like hid in my room because it was the only place that was safe. Um, and it sucked and it was really hard. Um, but that was hard for me too, in terms of identifying with other addicts, um, because I, I, I couldn't understand the whole um, treatment story. And, uh, or I couldn't identify with it. And, um, I was like, my parents just pretty much had me on lockdown and I'm only allowed to come to one meeting a week. And, um, I'm not allowed to leave the house for any other reason so, to go to school and to come to this one meeting I was allowed to go to every week. Um, and that I don't, I don't hear my story very often, um, in these rooms for that reason, because I wasn't ODing and, you know, in the room and having to be rushed to the hospital, like, that's not, that's not my story, but those are the stories we highlight, um, at conventions and at, um, speaker jams and things like that. And I, some, a lot of times they're more glamorous, they're fun to listen to, um, they're dramatic and I get that, but, um, I wonder sometimes if we do that at the expense of giving other people a different type of story to identify with. Um, so, it was a long time before I heard my story in recovery. Um, and I can't even really remember if I've ever really heard that part of it. I do remember though, the first time I identified 
with an addict in the rooms and he was much older than me and he was like a record label executive and like had like these nice suits and was super fancy and um he said I just remember as a little kid loving the smell of gasoline and I was like that explains it like my mom always told me I was really weird and she didn't understand why I love that smell so much <laughs> I was like I get it okay like I have something I can hang on to. Um, and that was, and then after that, it just kind of like, I started hearing more things that I was like, oh yeah, no, wait, I do, I did do that. It just didn't look exactly like that. Um, so that was, that was that part um, where it talked about, da, 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 da. we make connections with people of all ages in Narcotics Anonymous. And it was weird being 16 and going to hang out at Starbucks with a bunch of fucking 45 year old people and 70 year old people. I mean, my friends were like, what are you doing? Like, you know, my friends from school, like what is happening? Um, but I was just like, I don't know. I know that whenever I go to one of these meetings, I usually leave smiling and I hadn't smiled in years. Um, and so there was no conscious decision, I think on my part to be like, I'm going to stop using, I'm going to get clean and I'm going to live this new way of life. I was like, I don't know. Um, this is weird, but I like the way that I feel when I leave this place. And I didn't like the way that I felt when I was using. So I'm going to keep trying this. And it was really just like, I just kept coming until it made sense to me at some point. Um, and it was a lot of people in the rooms who really pushed me to belong. So, um, I'm really grateful for them in my life and in my recovery, even though, um, most of them are gone now, which is kind of sad, but. Um, on that sad note, I'll pass it on. <laughs> hey, Lindsay, thanks for those comments. And thanks for your transparency you know, about sharing that, man. And the cool thing is, like, with this platform and HP puts it in, in the hands of, like, people who need to hear it. And they hear, oh, fuck. Well, Lindsay was just talking about, you know, not not putting the the fine points on parts of her story to 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 deliver that big, you know, oh and ah, you know, when we share. I love that. that, that, that that's good shit. I had... Uh, I'm going to kick it to you, Whitney, here in one second. But before I forget, Lindsay, when you were talking about that, I used to, um, like, part of my story, I, I would I would say about how, how I ended up, like, homeless, sleeping on a laundromat, you know, before I got clean. And the truth was that it was one night. It might have been two nights. I think it was one. I, I'm pretty sure it was one night. It was a laundromat. It was open 24-7. So I stayed there one night. I had fuck all to go, anywhere to go. But I, for years and years and years, I would just leave that last part out, you know, of like for one night, I would just leave, you know, and then, and then after probably like 10 years, someone who knew the story or something was like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? That's not, you know, you crashed there one night. You weren't homeless, you know, at the end. Anyways, thanks for that, Lindsay. Appreciate that. What's up, Whitney? Hey there. Um, yeah, so I really resonated with these uh, two paragraphs, um, specifically uh, the, like, I guess all of it really, but like what came to my mind for me was uh, I was introduced to uh, the rooms at 16. I did not stay clean at 16. It, I was, I got clean at 18 and stayed clean since then. But um when I, when I started coming in, um, I was talking to a few people before this and, um, my, my mother was very, like, very strict. Uh, she did not trust me like Lindsay. I was very much on lockdown. I was one meeting a week and it was in walking distance to my house. And my mother only trusted one person from that home group. And I eventually made that my home group. And um, this individual, um, he was a, he's an older gentleman and had a crazy story, um, had a crazy story. And, um, and I couldn't like identify with it, but he always made me feel uh, welcome in that meeting and kind of helped me along and there and I have a story like a couple of people know this story about this gentleman um there was a time where I really wanted to use and I didn't think that I was an addict and I and I thought that like I couldn't identify with anybody there everybody's older than me this is just a phase you know like I'm gonna get through this yada 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 
And they called him because he was one of the few numbers that I had uh, at that time because I was only allowed to go to this meeting. And he sat on the phone with me for hours while we went through who's an addict uh, in the basic text. And, um, you know, he helped me stay clean that night. And I just like everybody outside, there's a line in here where it says other people in our lives seem to be trying to control us, but NA members simply offered their experience, strength and hope. And that was very much my story. Like, uh, my family tried to control me because they didn't they didn't trust me uh, the teachers at school were trying I thought the teachers at school were trying to control me because they wouldn't let me do <laughs> what I wanted to do um, you know I fortunately did not get in trouble with the law so I didn't have that hanging over my head but it was everybody outside of NA was trying to control me because they wanted me to stay clean they did not want me to like destroy my life and, and burn it up but the individuals in the rooms they never like they never told me what I had to do they never were like you need to do this or this it was just like hey you should you should do this if you want to stay clean this is what we do to stay clean uh this is what we do in this situation but it was never like you do this or there's going to be consequences from us um and so I'm really grateful for that and I think that's all I've got for now. <laughs> all right. Thanks for those comments, Whitney. Helene, what's happening? I just um, could relate to what Lindsay was saying um, because my using was much worse a few months before I got clean. And, and I do like to tell people now, like my last time using was not my worst time using. And we can stop. We don't have to be like in a, you know, dark hole, like on fire with nobody even going to the bathroom on us to put us out. Like you can just stop using because it just happened to be your last time using. And um, I don't know why my last time using was my last time using. I'm so grateful it was. Um, well, actually, I could tell you why it was because I used on a Friday and then I went to my first NA meeting the next week. And since I went to my first NA meeting, I've been clean. And um, that just really resonated with me uh, being in high school and people being like, I remember telling somebody I got 30 days and they were like, why, why would you not use for 30 days? You know, and it felt so alone. So I was so desperate for the meetings, but at the same time, my parents, um, at first they, would let me drive the car and then I wouldn't come home after the meetings, like, cause I would go out and I would still hang out with everybody. And, um, my behaviors didn't change because I stopped using, you know? So then my dad would drive me to meetings and like bum cigarette. If anybody could ever meet him, he's like this church, you know, guy, really jovial. And he would be bumming cigarettes off people outside the meeting while I was like in there, you know? Um, but it just, it, I definitely could relate to the, um, like my last time using it. it just happened to be my last time. I don't know why. Well, thanks for those comments. Yeah, high school is the perfect place for you to say, you know, I got 30 days. <laughs> what the fuck? Why? I think high school and family reunions are the two places where people are like, who the fuck are you doing that for, bro? Why? Why? All right, Shirley. Would you be willing to read the first two paragraphs on page five? It's, am I really an addict? We're going to start with before coming to an A and we're going to end with uh, anger and fear. Absolutely. Am I really an addict? Before coming to NA, many of us thought our drug use was a normal phase as a natural part of growing up. We may have tried to use our age, age as an excuse, but it soon became hard to deny that the drugs weren't making life any easier. We could act like we didn't care about things, but deep down, we knew that we were making more sacrifices than we wanted for drugs. When we found NA, we felt like we might be too young to get clean. We might have thought addiction was just a physical thing, and that addicts had to use certain types of drugs for long periods of time to become addicted. But we heard in meetings that NA describes addiction as affecting us in three main ways, mind, body, and spirit. The problem was less about what the drugs what the drugs were doing to us and more about how we were using the drugs. The drugs didn't have to be habit-forming or physically addictive for us to develop a problem. 
Our use of drugs was wrapped up in obsession, compulsion, and self-centeredness. We thought obsessively about drugs and the using lifestyle. We used compulsively when we didn't want to or, to or told ourselves we wouldn't, and we couldn't stop once we started. In social, and sorry, in total self-centeredness, we sacrificed anything to feel different, even if it meant hurting ourselves and people who love us. Most of the time, we were left feeling resentment, anger, and fear. Shall I share on that? Okay. Yeah, um, all right. Uh, yeah. Well, I was thinking, you know, for the last two paragraphs that when I first came in the rooms, <clears throat> I was um, the only young addict. And the more, you know, the more, the more I got out of self and actually started talking to people around me, um, shockingly, I became less and less selfish. And I found out that there are many other older addicts that clean at my, got clean at my age. Um, and it was, you know, it was like instantly I felt that more connection that I could with anyone else. Um, I just felt like I wasn't alone, even if it meant that it had been years, I felt like, you know, um, I don't have to be selfish and I can talk to others around me and connect and I'm not alone anymore. Um, but yeah, I remember it's, it's funny because I talked to my sponsor a couple of years ago and we had that one thing we had a lot in common, but one thing we did have in common when we first got here is that um, we took that 29 question pamphlet. Am I an addict? And I, you know, I always justified it. I was like, I'm too young to be here. I'm going to keep going until I'm like 18 and then I'll stop and I'll have to be an adult. That's when I'll stop. So um, we both took that pamphlet, you know, we took that little survey, whatever you call it. And I only answered no to three questions and I'm like, shit, you know, I was like, oh my God, I just, but at the same time, like it was such an, it was such a relief to find an answer to why I was even, you know, why was I so obsessed and compulsively doing the same thing? Um, so it's like, I, I found the real solution, you know, I thought drugs was a solution, but, um, I just felt relieved to know that there could be a solution um, in, you know, medicine, psychiatry, religion, nothing worked for me. Um, just staying abstinent didn't work for me. I have to have recovery. There's such a big difference. And I'm glad I learned that. Um, and yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I have bad ADHD. I don't remember who said, you know, when I got clean and off the drugs and, you know, it's like that reading, we do recover, what is there left to do? And all this shit in between my ears, that's where the steps come in. And, um, you know, I, I'm just warning, warning y'all now, I might like get off the tracks when I start talking on this thing, because I have ADHD, like I said, but um, yeah, it's, um, just a, it's a really good pamphlet, and I'm glad I'm on here. So thank you. Thank you for those comments, Shirley. There's no tracks go we're, we're right along with you go go where you need to go really cool folks i like this last one jen i'll kick it to you here in a second but when it talks about here that the last sentence or two uh we we sacrifice anything to feel different hurt ourselves people love us you know that whole piece that's that's really what i identified getting clean when i would hear these you know much older folk right talking about you know, marriage and divorces and, you know, vehicles being repossessed, stuff like this. I hadn't, I hadn't experienced any of that. I have since I've been clean though. That, so I guess that's another, you know, we'll talk about that maybe somewhere another time, but, you know, I, I really couldn't identify with all that stuff, but look, man, when I heard people talking about, and this is why I don't, I'm hundred percent cool with people sharing about the fucking mess. You know what I mean? I, I, I really am. I'm just cool with it because what I, what, where I identified with folk when they were talking about how desperate they were to get high. I didn't care how old they were, how much different they look like or whatever. When they were talking about that total obsession and compulsion to get high, do whatever it takes to get one out. Fuck me. That's me. That's me right there. Didn't matter. Fuck all man, how old they were or whatever. So I really identify with that. Like that was the piece that, that, that really, I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, I belong. All right. What up, Jennifer? Thanks Douglas. I am. Um have all these things circled and it was like as we were reading this it was like yes 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 so I, I'm going to briefly go through them because what I realized 
like the first thing was we used our age as an excuse, right? Like I had this mindset, like I hadn't been to college. I hadn't been to frat parties. I hadn't been to prom, which by the way, I never made it to prom because I was loaded. So, I mean, let's, let's start there and then go, well, I wasn't probably going to make it to college because I couldn't even show up to school. So, um, so it's this whole cycle, right? Where I would go, well, and then, you know, my dad, you know, took me at 15 to an AA meeting because he was sober in AA. And I was like, these fucking people are like my grandma's age. You know what I mean? There's no way. But even in that meeting, even in that meeting, from the moment a substance test touched me, my lips, which was alcohol, the first thing I ever drank, I blacked out, right? Like I knew deep down inside that it was a problem, but I thought I would grow out of it because these old people like drank for a really long time. Um, and so I did, I used that age thing as an excuse. And for me, um, making more sacrifices than we wanted to for drugs. The things that I did at 15 and 16 and 17 year old, no 15, 16 or 17 year old, especially as a mother now, I would never want my kids to have to do. And I, I dug the hole deeper and deeper and more shame and more guilt and more remorse that I had to use to cover up all the things that I was doing to get high, right? It was that vicious cycle. Um, and, and, this, and then it goes down to talk about, you know, the problem was less about what the drugs were doing and more about how we were using the drugs, you know? And, and again, that cycle, the cover up, I need to not feel, how do I not feel? Well, I get high and guess what's what, you know, what happens? Um, and I never really, it's funny, like the stopping and starting thing never really kind of existed for me. Like, I don't remember wanting to stop, but I remember times where like, I'd have to sleep for a few days to sleep off the week that I had been awake. Right. So, and then that moment of time between waking up and then figuring out how I was going to get high next was probably the most painful moments possible, you know, because I just couldn't live in my skin. Um, you know, we talked about, we couldn't stop once we started, right? I, never once did I say, I'm going to get high today. And I didn't get high the next day. It, it never once, you know, and never once did I say, or never once did I successfully say, well, I'm only going to use this much and I'm going to save this for tomorrow. That never happened either. And so all of these things for me, I started to identify, you know, like Douglas was talking about where like this people that were talking in meetings were saying the same shit I was, they just had different problems than I had. That was all, you know, I didn't have anything to give up. Like I had you know, like I always say, like I started really at a low bottom and then just went down lower. You know, I was, you know, stealing from my aunt's purse, you know, at 15 years old with no remorse at that point. Like I didn't fucking care. Like you have enough money, you can live without it. Let's move on. You know, I got high, I'm good. Um, <clears throat> and then the last thing, we sacrificed anything to feel different. Anything. I sacrificed everything to feel different. You know, every part of me, and anything that was important to me when I got clean was gone. Um, and I think that identification piece, even when I used to hear people talk about, you know, divorces and raising kids and losing and, you know, and all that stuff and jobs, like I could relate to that piece because they gave up everything. Their everything was just different than my everything. Um, and that was the most probably relatable piece was the feelings behind that, which I really identified with. And <clears throat> you know, I look at it now and, and I'll say this in the past. I, my goal when I got here was to stay clean until I was 18 years old so that my parents wouldn't have to be in charge of me anymore. That was my goal. Um, and somewhere between the nine months of being 17 and then turning 18, something miraculous happened, you know, and I kept showing up because I knew that I had to do it just to stay clean for that amount of time. And then I ended up getting to stay. So if you're new and you're questioning whether or not you're even you know, this is even for you. Stick it out, man. I, literally, by the time I got to my 18th birthday, I didn't want to leave. You know, this had, I realized that this was the life for me. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Hey, thanks for those comments, Jennifer. That's the awakening of our spirit, man. Like when equal measure, the fear of returning back to how we were is matched with like the desire to not lose what we have. That's the awakening of my spirit, man. It's beautiful. Thanks for those comments. What's up, Andrew? Hey, um, you know, so the thing, a couple of things stand out to me here, you know, like, am I really an addict? When I, when I went to treatment, um, the second time, the time that I got clean, um, it was so mommy and daddy would get off my back and I could get like the heat off. Um, and I knew that I had some grave mental disorder. I was convinced that I was bipolar. Um, and, 
Like, am I really an addict? It's not that, right? It's not that I'm just sick. I need to be on medication, you know? Um, and there's something that kind of stands out to me from a line from the big book, actually, and sort of mirrored here before coming to NA, many of us thought our drug use was a normal phase, a natural part of growing up and then skipping down. When we found NA, we felt like we might be too young to get clean. Like the first time in the big book, when I read that line about drinks, we see others taking with impunity, right? Like I was in a fraternity in college. Like we all got fucked up big time. Like I had a great time, you know, and like all of those guys had jobs or they woke up and they went to class and like they weren't failing out. And I was racking up credit card debt and student loan debt. And like I was in this really like fucked up relationship and and like self-mutilating and stuff like that. Like I didn't understand. I couldn't draw the line from my drug use, their drug use. This is just youth, you know? Um, and I, and I think like, I, I really wanted to hide behind that when I got clean at 19, cause I didn't want it to be the drugs. You know, I wanted it to be something that like I could take medication for and be on my merry fucking way, you know? Um, and I, and I think, this is really important. The drugs didn't have to be habit forming or physically addictive for us to develop a problem. You know, there's a lot of stuff in the second paragraph that I don't think I latched onto when I first came in here. Like I just wasn't in the headspace to figure out obsession compulsion. Um, but I think it's really important to hit that. Like, you know, we, we maybe don't talk about specific drugs and narcotics anonymous, depending on where you are, whatever. Um, but I had some shame and I felt like, the drugs that I was using weren't that bad. I never used a needle, you know, um, I never did this. I never did that. These drugs, like I, I just, I felt shameful, you know, like I felt like if these people knew that like the drugs that I used or like the depths, you know, that like weren't that deep, they'd be like, you're fucking joke, dude, get out. You know, um, I was afraid, you know, I was afraid of feeling different from y'all. Um, and then lastly, you know, this one in total self-centeredness, we sacrifice anything to feel different, even if it meant hurting ourselves and people who love us. I mean, that's like the hit right there that I really see in hindsight. Right. Um, and maybe like, you know, sometimes I feel like uh, maybe because I was so young, like I read a lot of this and assumed it as my experience. Like it makes sense after the fact reading it now. When when I first got here, I was like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. Um, but I mean, that thing right there, right. Of like, when I finally started to wake up a little bit and see, like, I will sacrifice anything to not feel the way that I am feeling right now, you know? Um, and that's the thing that like constantly is getting me in trouble and giving me static, you know, the answer to like, why is everybody on my ass? Like, that's it right there. Cause I'll do whatever the fuck I can to get outside of this moment. Um, and when I connect with that, like, you know, the first time I read the basic text and like, who is an addict? You know, the first chapter, who is an addict in the basic text? Like, yo, like that's some real mind blowing shit. And I can really connect with like, okay, y'all got the same problem. I need to try your solution, you know, um, regardless of what drugs I used or the depths that I went to or how old I am. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Andrew. I wonder if we still if we still struggle with that now because of like how common marijuana is and like, you know, the, with the dispensaries and stuff like that. Now I'm assuming that you're talking about like marijuana being something that you were, you know, one of the, the, the drugs that you were like had some shame behind or something like talking about that or whatever. But uh, man, I hear, I hear that a lot, you know, it's like, um, especially a lot of younger folk, man, I'm smoking a lot of weed, but you know, you know, it, is that my place here or something like this? I wonder what we could do, what, what we could do about that, you know, like how, how, how we can make that saying, okay, hey, look, almost like what you were talking about, Lindsay, of like, hey, look, just be your authentic self, t tell your authentic story, it's like we have a place here, let's talk about that, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Todd, what's happening? Hey, um, you know, it's funny that you led, you just finished with that, because my drug of choice primarily was five. Um, of course, I wanting to fit in and like, you know, uh, trying to acknowledge that everybody else did. I used to say my drug of choice is more, but I never tried to put the brakes on it once. You know, they say you don't have a problem with gambling if you don't run out of money. and You don't want to have a problem with gambling if you're winning. Right. Well, I never smoked 
trying not to get totally stoned. I never drank to get not to get totally wasted. I never did anything not trying to achieve that mission because my goal was to escape. And in that first paragraph, you know, this, we just read, you know, am I really an addict? It talked about, you know, um, we could act like we didn't care about things, but deep down we knew that we were making more sacrifices than we wanted to for the drug. And truth is, is I made every sacrifice fully, willingly, knowing that my goal was to get into that space. And it wasn't in, it wasn't that I was, my life was destroyed. I was living on a rooftop of the sewage and waterboard building here and showering in the, in the shower in the morning before the crew came in with pieces of soap I picked up off, you know, hanging around the, the thing and, and hiding clothes in a broken locker because I was homeless at 18 years old. And I still didn't think that drugs were the problem until I was 12 step by the grace of my higher power who put somebody next to me who told me their story. And when they told me their story and they told me what had gone on in their lives and what they had been through and, and how they had come to believe that there was a different way to live, I had no clue. So like coming new to NA as a young person, I'm sure a lot of people have come and gone, you know, like, you know, relapse is not a requirement for recovery. So if, no, if you're new to NA, welcome, glad you're here. You never have to use drugs again. The bad, you know, the other part of that is, is after you haven't used, that's not your problem, right? And if you're new to NA and you're young, young people need to hear this, that relapse is not a requirement, but it does happen, right? But it's not. I heard for the first time someone tell my story and knowing that I, like it says in there, we obsessively, we thought obsessively about uh, drugs and using in their lifestyle. And that was my life. I didn't have any other thing. I, I quit high school in the ninth grade and, 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 and I just went off and I got into the lifestyle and that's all I did. And, but it didn't work. And I didn't recognize the drugs were the problem until someone told me. And it was somebody in NA who told me, who said, and you know what? How about you come to a meeting? You know, it was like, I had no idea. And you see, there's, we're in a little big information world today. We hear a lot of things, you know, you can get your stuff from a lot of places. Um, it wasn't that way back in the early 80s, you know? And I'm just grateful that I got here young and didn't have a lot of bad habits, you know? And, and, and I love that I didn't know any other way but balls out. So it was like balls out using, it was balls out staying clean. It's just what I did. I would, you know, everybody has their own story, but I am so grateful that someone could tell me my story. And, and I have no idea why that person was put in my life. I mean, I do now, right? But I didn't know it then. And I'm really grateful that uh, I was shown another way to live. And and it was that. Thanks, so much. Thanks for those comments, Todd. Lindsay, we got you on two minutes. Okay. I just wanted to say um, a thought that I had while, while I was listening to y'all share was that, because also I teach uh, middle schoolers, so adolescents. I'm always thinking about like what they're capable of doing cognitively and I think for me and it kind of helped me understand why I felt different even though everybody was like but you can get clean just like the rest of us um, but there's still a part of me like that had to recognize that there was something different about the way that I was processing what was going on in my life like um, I just I didn't have the ability to do that metacognition and kind of think about my thinking and think about what I was doing. Um, whereas older members maybe did have that ability to kind of like take a step back. Whereas like coming in young, that's a lot harder for us to do. But what we do all have in common though, is that this program applies to everyone in the same way. Like we aren't different in how this program applies to our life and how it can, um, how it's the remedy for you know, our disease. So I, for me, I felt that conflict in the beginning of like, there is something different about how I'm understanding it, but it's still working the way that it's working for everybody else. So I just thought about that as, as y'all were sharing. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Lindsay and folks who are listening to this. Thanks for spending this hour with us. We're really excited about this initiative. This is this is our, our first episode here. Uh, we have a couple more to wrap up this pamphlet, and then we're going to jump into some stories in the back of the basic text. So the invitation this week is, if you know somebody who would benefit from a resource like this, please do provide it for them. Love you, folks.
Thank you for walking on this journey with us. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so. If you know of someone who got clean and is staying clean as a teenager, or you know of an institution who works with youth who would benefit from this resource, reach out to us, whether it's on the Facebook page, the podcast number, make the introduction, allow us to, to see if we can provide this resource to them. Love you, folks.